Well, I, I invite you to uh, take your take your bulletin. You'll have the scripture printed out there over on page three. Uh, remember, next week we won't have it printed out here, so there'll be some of the black Bibles scattered about, or you can bring your own or look it up on your favorite device. Uh, but but for one more week, it's printed right here. Uh, you will have an outline, Lord willing, next week, but not the, not the scripture itself. Really. But this week from John 20, or excuse me, John 12. So we're coming in to this week, traditionally called Holy Week, starting with Palm Sunday and then uh, into, into days like Maundy Thursday and Good Friday and ultimately Resurrection Sunday uh, next week. So it's a good time for us as a church to take a little break from our series in 2 Corinthians and look at the book of John uh, to look at some of the very events and what Jesus said in the midst of those events uh, to see what God is actually up to. And so here we pick up right where we left off in our scripture reading. Uh, this passage we're about to read comes right after Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. It might have been the exact same day or, or shortly thereafter. But in John's Gospel, the very next thing Jesus says uh, after he rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. And it provides for us a really wonderful summary of what Jesus is doing. Why he's even there in Jerusalem. Why he will end up at the end of the week dying on a cross and in a tomb. Well, Jesus explains. Let's, let's read it together. Uh, from John 12, verses 20 through 26. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So the, uh, these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus, and Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me... The Father will honor him. Let's, let's pray together. Lord, this is your word, and we pray that you would speak powerfully to your people gathered. We do ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here we are, days longer, lighter, uh, air warmer. And so for a good many of you, this means you're thinking, plotting, scheming about your garden. Uh, you're dreaming of a summer harvest. You have daydreams of great vast quantities of tomatoes and cucumbers and peppers, and maybe you're already plotting and planning how it's going to be bigger, bigger and better than, uh, than, next, than last year. Uh, well, this is about as close as us suburbanites get to farming, uh, but, 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 but the principles are basically the same, you know? So whether it's, whether it's Russo's farm or Pinto's garden, the basic principles are the same. If you want to end up with a harvest, it starts with a seed. Great harvest, you need a seed. 
Uh, and it's that very simple principle that makes sense to us and made sense to people back then who actually did do a lot of farming that Jesus uses to explain something that is, well, maybe not so simple to understand or uh, very frequently misunderstood uh, what Jesus is up to in this very critical, climactic week uh, where every one of the Gospels slows down and goes through in detail about what Jesus is doing there in Jerusalem, well, his death, his resurrection. It's the very things that people so frequently misunderstand. What is Jesus up to? Why is this happening? They misunderstood it back then, and we're tempted to misunderstand it today. And Jesus knows that, so he takes a very simple picture that's easy to understand, farming, gardening, seeds, harvest, and he uses that to explain uh, what we're more likely to misunderstand. And that's what our passage is all about, especially as we, as we focus in here on, on verse 24 and the surrounding uh, areas. Let's try to break it down. Uh, this very thing that you might be dreaming of anyway, uh, a great harvest to come, well, Jesus is going to use it and talk about things even more important than tomatoes. So let's start off. Start off first with a, a need for a seed. Uh, so verse 24 again. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So where does it all begin? Right? A farmer wants to end up with the harvest. Where does it begin? It begins with a seed. Uh, you want to end up with a wheat harvest? You've got to start off with a kernel of wheat. You want to end up with a tomato harvest? You've got to start off with a tomato seed. Um, kids, I want to show you something real quick. I don't know if you could see it, but you, can you see this? You know, can you see, see that? Even has a big picture of a tomato on there, <laughs> if you can see it. But it's not just a picture of a tomato. Do you know what's in here? Tomato seeds. Tomato seeds. They're tiny. They're small. Uh, this is exactly what you would use uh, to create a tomato plant. Right? You need a seed. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna end up with a tomato that looks like that in my garden, and hopefully many more, I'm gonna have to start off either me or someone for me uh, with with little a little seed like this. It, you want the harvest? You need the seed. And that's exactly what Jesus is explaining here. Uh, of course, uh, what, he is, what he is going for is something bigger and better uh, than, than a garden. He's thinking about life. He's thinking about salvation. He's thinking about saving people. Need a seed. Uh, and he's explaining why he's even here on earth. Uh, why he even has arrived in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Uh, yeah, if there's a hope for a great harvest, uh, life from the dead for many, well, there's a need for a seed. And a seed that is that matches what you hope the harvest will be. Right? It's easy for us to wrap our minds around uh, that if I'm going to start with the seeds in that packet, I'm not going to end up with peppers. Uh, right? If, if a farmer goes out and, and sows barley seeds, he's not going to end up with wheat at the end of the day. Right? You need a seed that matches the harvest you hope to achieve. And so it is with Jesus. 
right? This is why Jesus showed up. Why the eternal Son of God took on human flesh just like us. Why did that have to be? Why did God take on a true body like ours, a, a true soul like ours, made in every way just like us, without sin, but just like us? Why was that so important? Well, it's the principle of, of the garden. Uh, if he wants to have a, a great harvest uh, of, of, of resurrection brought again from the dead lives of people, that begins with a person just like us. Uh, it begins with a Savior who is like us in every single way. Uh, this is why the, the sacrificial lambs of the Old Testament would never be enough. They're not just like us. Uh, it would take uh, a Savior made like us in every way. Right? And you can see how the, how the Lord's Supper provides us an opportunity to, to ponder that. Because what do the elements give us but, uh, but pictures of Jesus' humanity? Right? We, we, we speak of, of body and blood. Yeah, like our body and our blood. Real, true humanity. It had to be. Now, it had to be. For there to be this great harvest uh, of, of souls like yours and mine, a resurrection of bodies like yours and mine, it had to start with humanity just like us in Jesus. So you can see that and, and ponder it uh, this morning. Uh, so there's a need for a seed, and then there's an essential fall of that seed, which is where it goes. So continuing through in verse 24, Truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Okay, kids, I'll get out my packet of seeds again. So, uh, let me ask you, if I leave these seeds in the packet, what do you think the chances are I'm going to end up with tomatoes like that? If I just leave them in here, am I going to get tomatoes? Nope. Nope. Do you want me to confess how long these seeds have been in this packet? <laughs> you can talk to me afterwards. I think you'll need two hands to count them um, in the number of years. Yeah, if the seed stays on its own, no harvest. It has to fall into the ground, Jesus says, and essentially die. It's not enough for the Son of God to take on human flesh like ours. It's essential. But unless Jesus, fully God and fully man, uh, dies in our place, there is no harvest. Uh, Jesus didn't have to come to earth to save us. He didn't have to ride into Jerusalem uh, on, that, on that day so many Sundays ago. He didn't have to give himself over to the soldiers and be crucified. Uh, he wasn't morally obligated to any of that. Uh, but in God's plan and the Son's delight, uh, he, he wanted to do it. He planned to do it. Uh, and so wanting, desiring, longing uh, to, to give his life, this was the only way. Longing for that harvest, saving you and me, we don't deserve it. Uh, we don't deserve to be rescued from that death we brought on ourselves. Uh, but God, uh, purposing and planning and delighting to do it, this was the only way. Uh, the kernel of wheat, the seed, right, that matches the harvest, 
couldn't stay on its own, had to be had to fall into the earth and die. In order to save us, Christ had to go into Jerusalem. He had to die on that cross and be buried. Right, it was the only way to save us. Uh, right, maybe you were here last week. If you weren't, here's a here's a quick summary. We talked about reconciliation. We talked about how uh, how because of our sin we're we're separated from God. Uh, that just like in a human relationship, uh, the ugliness of sin drives a wedge between people. Well, in this case, it's between us and God. Our our rebellion against God drives this wedge between us and God. It has us separated from God, separated from the the life that's in God. Uh, And it has us over into death, right? The Bible says the wages of sin is is death. Well, if we're going to be reconciled to God, brought to God, brought into that life that is in God, that sin's got to be dealt with. Uh, And the guilt and the judgment that that sin deserves, well, that's what Jesus arrives to do. God himself, uh, the Son, comes, takes on uh, our humanity so that he can die in our place. So that he can bear that very death that we deserve. So he can take that very judgment that we deserve in our place. He had to be made like us to be a substitute and perfect and spotless in order to take our place. And he's done it. He's done it once for all. No more need to to pay anymore because Christ bears that judgment there at the cross uh, and in in his death as the the perfect substitute. It's what the the cross is all about. How does does Peter explain it? Uh, Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. Right, if he, if he dies in our place, bearing our judgment, then there's, there's no more sin and judgment left for us. Uh, and so there's no more judgment left for us. So that we are then reconciled, brought to God. We, we have life in Christ, uh, all because of what, what he did. Or, to use Jesus' words, in order to bring about that salvation harvest, right, life for, for you and me in Christ, Right, Christ had to, that kernel of wheat had to fall into the ground uh, and die. That's the only way you get a harvest. And again, we can see how the how the celebration of the supper is going to bring that home to us and make that make that real. Because the elements don't just point us to the humanity of Christ, but they point us to the humanity of Christ that died. Right, body broken, blood. Poured out uh, a humanity that dies, not for his own sin, but, but for ours. It's that seed that didn't remain alone, but fell into the ground and died, so that there might be a great harvest. Now I'm going into our next point. So you need a seed. Uh, the seed has to fall into the ground and die. And if it does, shocking harvest. Again, follow the logic of 24 again. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So yes, the, the, the one seed, the one grain of wheat dies. It's, uh, it, it's, it's given over. But what's the result? What's the result from that one, one seed dying? A harvest that is far out of proportion with that one seed. Far out of proportion. Did a little research on wheat. Uh, apparently, 
Uh, one kernel of wheat, one wheat seed, uh, can grow a plant that will produce in one season 100 kernels of wheat. One, one kernel produces 100 in four months. Can you imagine if, if uh, you could do that financially? Right? You know, you know invest $100 today and you got 10000 in four months? You'd, you'd say immediately, that's a scam. Don't touch that. That doesn't happen in real life. Well, it does in farming. It does in farming. Uh, a harvest that is shockingly large, shockingly vast. And of course, that's just a little, little picture of, of Jesus and his death. Right? The, the Savior gives his life. He, he dies. But what is the, what's the harvest? Well, Jesus, or the scripture says it's a, it's a multitude of God's people rescued. They're too num- numerous to count. The Bible has to talk about stars in the sky and grains of sand on the, on the seashore. It's that vast a harvest, all because the one seed that died. Uh, it's, a, it's a vast harvest. It's also a, a quality harvest. A quality harvest. This is what you want for your garden. Now, you don't just want a lot of tomatoes because if they're if they're rotten, if they don't taste good, right? That's it's worthless. Uh, what kind of harvest does Jesus get? But a quality harvest. Uh, Bible talks about us in Christ because of His work being saved to the uttermost. To the uttermost. Can, can you think about that as you as you as you, you take the Lord's Supper? It's not just that God saves you a little bit, or mostly saves you. Praise the Lord, saved to the uttermost. So, so fully pardoned of all our sin, uh, fully adopted as a as a beloved child in God's family, uh, fully protected and preserved through all the storms of this life, all the way to the end. Now, fully transformed, body and soul, into the likeness of the Savior. Uh, Gloriously welcomed uh, into heavenly glory and and given that inheritance that never perishes and never fades. Think of that. Because because Christ gave his life, uh, it is saved to the uttermost. A vast harvest, a quality harvest. Maybe we could say this as well. It's a personal harvest. Uh, a personal harvest, uh, you, you, you could get this idea in, in farming uh, that, that there's this impersonal nature to it, right? The farmer really doesn't care one kernel of wheat from another. It's just you got a bunch of them and they're good, wonderful. Um, but it's not like that with Jesus and the harvest he produces. Uh, what does he say? He says that, that he's the good shepherd and he knows his sheep by name, right? He knows them by name, he says, they are all the Father is given to him, and he knows them and calls them uh, by name. That's what we're talking about when, when Jesus gives his life. It's not just for this faceless multitude that, that, that God is hoping for, that Jesus is hoping for. Maybe you could uh, make it even, even specific. As, as Jesus dies, believer, he has your name on his lips. He has your name on his heart. Right? He knows his sheep, even us, by name. And so the harvest that he's giving his life for is so very personal. 
uh, we don't deserve it. We're not worthy. But yet, but he goes with our names on his heart uh, and gives his life so that we might be part of that vast uh, quality and very personal harvest uh, that he has planned and he's accomplished. Which then leads us to our part in the garden. You know, where, 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 where do we fit in? What, what, how do we respond to this good news? You, you've seen this is all what Jesus does. We don't do any of this, uh, right? The, uh, the, 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 the wheat that gets harvested, it didn't try really hard to grow, uh, right? Somebody else did all the work. Same, with him, same it is with us. Uh, we don't, we're not rescued because we try really hard, but because God, through Christ, does all the work, but yet we're called to respond. What does that response look like? Well, uh, in your bulletin, we could mention two things. First, we're called to just enjoy the feast. Enjoy the feast, right? You can you can understand how this works, even with your own garden. Your garden starts to produce that harvest you've been hoping for, and the uh, the cucumbers and the tomatoes start coming in. What do you What do you do first? You eat, right? And it's the best tasting cucumber you can you can remember. The, the best tasting tomato you can remember. You enjoy it. Uh, you feast. Uh, in celebration and thankfulness. It's not a coincidence at all that God calls us to to the supper. Uh, Essentially, a a feast. God's saying, uh, Christ saying, come and and enjoy. Uh, Enjoy the fruit of of what I accomplished, Jesus says. He, He gives his life for us and and what do we get? Well, it's like it's like food uh, that makes us uh, makes us joyful and alive, right? We meditate on that work of Christ and say, "Yeah, this is this is for me. I get to I get to enjoy all the all the benefits of it. I get to just take this in. That if that if that if Christ gave His life for me, and that means that means God is for me. And well, who can really be against me? We meditate." Uh, or we could think if if Christ knows me by name, then I guess I can rest in His love. Uh, if if God saves to the uttermost uh, through His Son, then I then I guess I don't have to fear temptation the way I do. I guess I don't have to uh, be afraid or anxious about the trouble that might come around the corner. Uh, I can meditate on that, and you can meditate on that as you as you come and you get that very tangible picture of what Christ has done, and what it means. Enjoy the feast. But we're also called to copy the pattern. Uh, And here Jesus explicitly mentions that in our passage. So we're focusing it on verse 24, but notice where he goes in verse 25 and 26. We should should go there too. Uh, He says, after just talking about this picture of the kernel of wheat dying, bearing a harvest, and then he says, verse 25, whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant also be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. You see what Christ is saying? Uh, He's saying that followers of Christ uh, are called to actually follow Christ. That we're called to walk in in his very footsteps. That just as Christ laid down his life uh, in order to bring forth uh, fruit 
So we're called, walking in those footsteps, to, to lay down our lives, and there will be fruitfulness that comes from it. Now, of course, we don't, uh, we don't die on a cross outside of Jerusalem. Uh, we don't atone for sin through bearing the wrath of God. That's, that's Jesus and Jesus alone. Um, but we follow in his footsteps in the sense of uh, showing up, as Jesus did, not to be served, but to serve. Not to hold on to our lives, but to, to give them uh, in service to, to the Lord. Maybe, maybe we could picture it this way. That the call is uh, to, to reject the Easter basket lifestyle. Reject the Easter basket lifestyle. You know how the Easter basket works in the typical American household? Uh, the goal uh, of that basket for the child, uh, on, on, upon receiving it, is how do I eat as much candy as possible before mom and dad shuts it down? You're done. How do I eat as much candy as possible? Our temptation is to take that and turn it into a whole lifestyle. How do I eat as much candy of the world as possible until, until the father says, you're done. How do I get as much in? Uh, and, and, and like a child on Easter, that seems like a good idea. It, it seems like that's the path to a, uh, to a good life. Uh, but here God is saying, no. That's actually the path, not just to a stomachache, that's the path to losing your life, right? Uh, trying, to, trying to gain it and grab it, you actually end up losing it. But for those who are in Christ, uh, those who have received this free gift, uh, the call is, is something that looks very different. It's not the way we earn life. Christ does that, the cross. Uh, it's, not the way, it's not that we earn our place around the table, uh, Christ does. Uh, but he's describing, here's what it looks like to, to respond to what Christ does, to, uh, to, to joyfully walk away from the table. The, the what now? It's the what now of walking in the footsteps of Christ. Uh, it's, it's showing up, uh, not to be served, but to serve, just like Christ did, in all the different facets of, of life, uh, in the relationships God has before you, to, to not to be served, to grab for self, but, but to serve, to give your relationships, uh, your, uh, your job, your time, your calling, uh, showing up not to, not to be served, but to serve. Uh, your relationships, your, your calling, job, your, your church, your money, you, you name it. Right? It's to walk in those footsteps of Jesus. Take up your cross and follow him means you reject that lifestyle of, of let's grab as much as I can, as fast as I can, uh, but, but show up not to be served, but to serve. Uh, are, there, are there ways that you're, you're tempted by that Easter basket lifestyle? Uh, are there particular places in your life where you're, you're tempted to not just enjoy a good gift that God gives, but to, but to live for it? Uh, to try to grab as much as you can, as fast as you can? Uh, can you see Jesus saying that actually isn't the way to life at all? Uh, but, a, but a better calling, uh, the calling of Christ. Receiving the free gift of his, his rescue, and then walking in his footsteps joyfully. Discovering that just as it was for Christ, uh, that in giving of our lives, we end up finding it. 
Right? Christ gives his life, and, and what happens? He ends up raised to the highest place, exalted. And so in him, trusting in him, that'll be, that'll be our path as well. How gardening explains Good Friday. Can you start to see it? Trying to understand why, why Jesus is even here. Why does he ride into Jerusalem? Why does he end up at the end of the week on a cross and dead in a tomb, a most cursed death? Why? Well, Jesus explains it by talking about gardening, farming. Uh, it's, it's something that we can wrap our minds around, and yet something so critical to life. That he's that, he's that kernel of wheat, made just like us, who, who gives his life so that we might find it, so we might have it in him. A vast harvest, a, 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 a shockingly glorious harvest, because he gave himself. And we get to celebrate. Uh, even, even the supper here, we get, to, we get to live this out, coming and celebrating what Christ has done, even, even for us. And so we come and enjoy the feast in him. Let's pray. Father, we, we do pray with gratitude that you are the great and glorious God and that your, your plan uh, for mercy uh, and rescue is exactly what we need. We pray that we would have the eyes to see Christ uh, more and more, uh, the, the faith to trust him and to know that life, and, and then the, the grace through your spirit to walk in your footsteps. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.